0: We're heading out to sea I've been fascinated with the ocean for as long as I can remember and singing a different tune You and your music, are gonna live forever, I promise you I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly and here's What to Watch on Wednesday, March 24th We're counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies but first, your entertainment headlines The Goldbergs and Just Shoot Me star George Segal has died due to complications from bypass surgery. He was 87. Segal played Pops on the ABC comedy, father to Wendy McLinn and Covey's Beverly Goldberg. He was magazine owner and publisher Jack Gallo on the NBC comedy Just Shoot Me. Seagal's many film credits include A Touch of Class, Look Who's Talking, and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, for which he received an Oscar nomination. Disney has announced new dates for some of its upcoming movies, and information about how and where you can see them. Following the lead of Mulan and Raya and the Last Dragon, Cruella and Black Widow will both be released in theaters and on Disney+, Plus, available to stream there by paying for premiere access. Cruella, starring Emma Stone, will debut May 28th, and Black Widow with Scarlett Johansson will spin its web starting July 9th. Pixar's Luca will not be released in theaters at all, instead premiering on Disney+, Plus, no premiere access needed, on June 18th. We also have some TV premiere dates to tell you about. Bravo has announced that Season 13 of The Real Housewives of New York City will debut May 4th. And Season 2 of Netflix's The Circle will kick off with a four-week event starting April 14th. Four new episodes will debut April 21st and 28th, and the one-episode finale drops May 5th. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and much more, head over to EW.com. All right, let's set sail with our top three picks. Number three is a new documentary from Netflix called Seaspiracy, which explores the environmental toll humans are continuing to take on Earth's oceans. From plastics and other pollution to rampant, harmful, and illegal fishing practices, humanity is wreaking havoc on marine life and, by extension, the entire planet. It's a familiar message, but no less important for it. And this doc promises to unveil a lesser known side to the story. Here's a preview. My name is Ali.
1: I've been fascinated with the ocean for as long as I can remember. But this romantic vision that i always had of the ocean completely changed. I was forced to confront a side of the story I never knew, a story of just how huge our impact on the seas had become. The big environment groups—they are deliberately not engaging with the most important issue of all. Can you turn off the cameras? Thanks. Would you say there's any safety concerns
0: for me making this film? Hmm. Reminds us of 2009's Oscar-winning doc, *The Cove*, if you remember that one. What Seaspiracy uncovers not only challenges notions of sustainable fishing, but will shock anyone who cares about the wonders of ocean life, as well as the future of the planet and our place on it. You can stream it on Netflix now. Stars recently announced that it has greenlit a six part limited series revival of Party Down, which last aired a decade ago. The original two-season run of the show is something EW's Derek Lawrence has been watching lately, and he joins me now to tell us all about it. Hey, Derek, how's it going?
1: It's great. I'm always glad to talk to you about what I'm watching.
0: Well, I love to hear what you're watching because you watch a lot of stuff, and, and you're very passionate about the things that you love, which I love, which is why I want you to tell everyone about Party Down. Let's start with what the show is about, for those who don't know what it's about.
1: Yeah, and there's probably a lot because this is—I uh, mean, I think it's become a bit of a cult classic in the decade yeah. plus since since it wrapped. This was a very low rated, like insanely low rated when it aired uh, back in the day. So yeah, it's about a uh, it's set in L.A. It's a group of uh, aspiring actors, uh, one screenwriter. And they are—they work at uh, Party Down Catering, so they're caterers. And kind of the genius thing behind this show—it's almost like each episode is an anthology episode, but with the same cast. So the—you know—they're going from party to party. So you know, um, one episode they'll be doing like—I think there was an adult film awards after party. There's been—you know—a sweet sixteen. Probably the greatest episode. Um, in the show's twenty only twenty episode run was Steve Gutenberg's birthday party. So it's just a really so you you get to, to bring in new characters each time too. You know so Steve Gutenberg pops up for an episode. Uh, you know J K Simmons is around for an episode. So you bring in like essentially a new cast of characters for each installment and get to get to have a lot of fun. And for the most part, it's all of
0: these same cater waiters. I mean, the the cast is is quite good. Adam Scott, uh, Ken Marino, Jane Lynch, Megan Mullally. uh, Who who am I forgetting? So many.
1: Yeah, Lizzie Kaplan, Ryan Hansen, Martin Starr. That's kind of the core um, right there. I mean, but then even Kristen Bell uh, does a few episodes. Like I said, J.K. Simmons does a few episodes. So it's really like a murderer's row of uh, of talent.
0: Yeah, and in most regards, it's safe to call this a workplace comedy. I'm trying to remember. Did you ever see them outside of
1: work, hanging out? I don't think so. No, I'd say the closest technically was that Steve Gutenberg episode because the whole concept was they show up to cater Steve Gutenberg's birthday party, but then he forgot to cancel because his friends had <laughs> thrown him a surprise birthday party the week before. So then Steve Gutenberg just being the the goot. He's like, hey, just invite your friends over and we'll celebrate my birthday since you guys already brought all the food and alcohol. So they end up, you know, Ken Marino's character ends up still working the party, but uh, everyone else gets to, just gets to kind of chill and hang. So even though it was in their workplace setting, it was kind of the one peak into how they acted when not, you know, catering.
0: This is the all important question here. What do you love about this show so much?
1: I think it's just these uh these characters obviously they're as we said they're played by kind of a few comedic geniuses I mean you know Adam Scott and it's it's funny too Adam Scott if, even if the show would have continued he was leaving at the end of season 2 to go do Parks and Rec and we all know what that ended up being and kind of how um, iconic his relationship with Amy Poehler was on Parks and Rec. Jane Lynch leaves eight episodes in because she books Glee, mm-hmm. and that's when Megan Mullally came in after Jennifer Coolidge stepped in for like two episodes to bridge the gap there. But these characters just felt so unique, and a few of them would be like Ryan Hansen's character, Kyle. He's you know your stereotypical, you know, come from the Midwest, you know, blonde, good looking, who, you know, desperately wants to be an actor. But and he's so passionate about it, But then at the same time, you have someone you know, like Adam Scott's character, Henry, who's failed at being an actor, and all he ever hears is, uh, people throw the catchphrase, "Are we having fun yet at him?" which was the his one success when he had this beer ad, and he's kind of just given up on acting. So I felt like you we've seen the world of aspiring actors a lot, but we, we see a lot of different levels to it here. You know, you have the person still hoping to make that dream happen. The person that gave up the dream. You know, Lizzie Kaplan's character is pretty jaded, but she's still plugging along as a comedian. A Martin Starr's character is a hard science fiction screenwriter who kind of loathes actors. And then Megamolly shows up as a stage mom to a 13-year-old actress named Escapade, which, you know, what a name. So, I don't know. I just felt like we saw so many different levels to the traditional kind of aspiring actor in L.A. story. Mm-hmm. What are your, like, wildest hopes and dreams for this uh, revival? I mean, you hope, right, A, that they can get everyone back. I mean, that's yeah. always the things, right, with these shows. They're, you know, community, they're always like, hey... Will you do a movie? It's like, okay, well, can we all align our schedules? Can someone pay for it? Kind of same thing with happy endings. So I would imagine if this is officially announced that they're they're doing a revival, um, that everyone will will figure it out. Now, does that mean like Jane Lynch is only around for one episode instead of, you know, however many they do? So that would really just be the hope. And honestly, I have no idea what these characters, where they would be now. Like, you know, 10 years later... (laughs) Like, is, you know, Adam Scott's character, Henry, at, you know, almost 50 years old, is he still, like, ch- chasing that dream? Yeah. You know, Ryan Hansen's character, is he, you know, has he given up now? I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing, it's kind of a, a cute and adorable, you know, his uh, passion and his, you know, persistence, you know, as a young actor, but then when you're 40... You know, I feel like you're, you know, have you given up or are you still, you know, waiting these tables, you know, trying to talk to any producer that you run into Mm -hmm. at a, uh, at one of these Hollywood parties. So that's kind of a fascinating thing too. I think they could just have a lot of fun with where these people have have ended up.
0: Well, uh, we have some time until that debuts. In the meantime, you can catch all 20 episodes. It's just two seasons of the show. A quick watch. It's streaming on Hulu. Thanks so much, Derek.
1: Thank you as always, Jared. Number two.
0: Now let's give some time, just a little bit, to our number two pick, Genius Aretha, which wraps up tonight with its final two episodes. The penultimate entry sees the Queen of Soul entering the Age of Disco, in which Aretha will do anything to remain relevant, including stealing an opportunity from her sister Carolyn. Meanwhile, Aretha parts ways with her beloved producer Jerry Wexler when he leaves Atlantic Records, but an encounter with legendary Arista Records founder Clive Davis might lead to a new chapter. Here's a clip from the episode. Clive Davis. How you doing, man? Oh, good to see you, Glenn. It's always great to see you, Miss Franklin. I'll be back in a week. Take care. Have a fun night, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, and congratulations on your new launch of Alistair Records. We have had a good first few years. You were a legend. One Grammy, more or less. Won't change that. You and your music, we're gonna live forever. I promise you. I've heard how much you love the artists. They have the reason I get out of bed every day. Miss Franklin? Mm -hmm. I hope our paths cross again. Enjoy yourselves. Mm -hmm. Indeed, Davis would help Aretha find renewed success in the 1980s, despite her significant personal losses, including a second divorce and the death of her father in 1984. That's all covered in the finale, which culminates in Aretha's unforgettable 1998 Grammy performance. Clearly, there's still a lot of ground to cover. Don't miss the final two episodes of Genius Aretha, starting tonight at 9 on National Geographic. TRIVIA it's trivia time. Genius Aretha creator Susan Laurie Parks also wrote the script for this year's Oscar contender, The United States vs. Billie Holiday. But her first screenwriting credit was pinning a movie for what Oscar-winning filmmaker? Spike Lee, Steve McQueen, or Jonathan Demme? Stick around for the answer. What to Watch will be right back. Wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Number one. And now everyone mask up for our number one pick, the Mask Singer. Season five is already off to a great start between the premiere's Kermit the Frog reveal and episode two's unmasking of Caitlyn Jenner this week's installment will be a true must-see. A promo promises the first tearjerker performance of the season, and the first-ever Wildcard character entering the competition. That character was teased at the end of last week's episode, but neither we nor the panelists know what it's going to be. And remember, that Wildcard could push another contestant out of the competition. Ah, the suspense. Also this week, Joel McHale is back again as a guest panelist, as Group A returns to take the stage. Again, here's a clip of Mikhail's reaction to the raccoon's performance this week.
1: What did you think, Joe?
0: Well, I'm speechless, much like the raccoon was during the song. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Don't make fun of my boyfriend. I'm in trouble. Uh, you are in big trouble. And I can't believe Mickey Rourke is back. You may recall Rourke unmasked himself after his first performance last season. Did he get a shot at redemption? Tune in to Fox at 8 p.m. to maybe find out. Trivia. And now the answer to today's trivia question. Genius Aretha creator Susan Laurie Park's first screenwriting credit was pinning a movie for what Oscar-winning filmmaker? Spike Lee, Stephen McQueen, or Jonathan Demme? Did you do the right thing or get the right answer? Parks wrote Spike Lee's 1996 comedy thriller Girl 6, the first film he directed that he didn't write himself. That is our show for today. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I am Senior TV Editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch is written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal and Carly Usdin.